You are listening to episode 158 of This is Type 1. Today we're talking with Aisha, former lead of Arizona's Insulin for All chapter with Type 1 International. The Insulin for All movement is close to Aisha's heart because she had to ration insulin to survive at one point, and doing so landed her in the ICU. Her advocacy for, for access to insulin even led to an audience with the White House. Aisha, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's nice to be here. It's nice to have you. Go ahead and tell us who you are and the story of your diagnosis. Well, my name is Aisha. In 2012, I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. At the time, I was living in North Carolina, and I wasn't able to like keep any food or water down. So that ended me in the ER after about a couple of days of going through that. And they're like, you're type 1 diabetic and you're gallbladder uh, needs to come out of you because it's inflamed. So <laughs> that was my welcome to T1D world. <laughs> Did you know anything about diabetes before then? Not really. I have like my family history on my mom's side, they have type two, but like, it's not really talked about. So I was just like, thrown into this world, not having a clue of like anything. Do you have any favorite things about type one so far? The community is probably my favorite thing. It's really helped a lot. Like when I'm frustrated or sad or just feel like nobody around me understands what I'm going through, I can just get on Instagram or other social medias and see like other T1Bs that are going through the same thing. Yeah, we get that's like the most common answer is just the community (laughs) aspect. Because despite the fact that none of us want this, we all seem to rally together and support each other, even through all the hard times. Yes. Yes. It's amazing to have. What's your least favorite thing about type one? That's a tough call (laughs) between I have an insulin pump and a CBM. So like between the alarms and I would say health insurance, those are my two big things that I'm like, can confirm having to deal with health insurance totally sucks. Mm-hmm. That's even with like corporate insurance. So I can't even imagine what it's like for people who are self-employed or unemployed where you can't have access to that kind of insurance. Yeah. So that kind of leads me to a little bit to the next question, which is how did you get involved with Insulin for All? Well, after going to the White House and speaking with the president, Mr. Biden, I noticed that the insulin for all chapter lead here in Arizona where I live had an opening for the chapter lead. So I kind of like applied for it. And after vetting me, they were like, yeah, we'd love to have you. So that's how I got involved in that. And then I'm not involved anymore, but I definitely still support them. So your involvement with the, the chapter of insulin for all happened after you met the president? Yeah. What was the whole sequence of events to get you to the White House to begin with? I started advocating probably like six months, maybe a little bit longer with a different patient-led group called P4AD, Patients for Affordable Drugs. And then they, after like speaking publicly here in Arizona with them and, and getting more involved with the Arizona like legislature they were like, hey, the president wants to have people come and talk at the White House. And we think that you would be amazing. So that's what happened. 
Can you share a little bit more about uh, that experience? It was, it was very fast. It happened on a Saturday. The, I got a phone call from Washington, D.C. And somebody from the White House was like asking me a bunch of questions. So then I reached out to my, my advocacy group and was like, is this real or is this fake? Like, cause nobody told me. And they're like, no, it's real. We're so sorry. We didn't know that they were actually going to call you. And, uh, Sunday afternoon, I was on my way to DC and Monday I spoke at the, at the White House. So it was very fast. It was amazing to have like such a big opportunity presented to me. And yeah. I'm still kind of in shock about it. <laughs> Was that this past year? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this past December. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. Yeah. Okay. So in the whole like timeline of things, at what point did you have to actually ration insulin? I had to ration insulin, I want to say from mid-2015 to mid-2016. Wow. Okay. If you don't mind sharing, what were the circumstances that led up to that? It wasn't just one thing. I lost my insurance. My ex at the time was in the United States military. Mm -hmm. And once we decided to separate, I lost those benefits. And I didn't make enough money to keep up. I tried purchasing through the marketplace my own insurance. And I just couldn't keep up with the monthly premium. It was like in the 250-ish range. And I was making like $12 an hour. So on top of bills and stuff, I just couldn't keep up with it. So I was just like, I'm just gonna start rationing. And eventually I just stopped taking it, which resulted in me ending up in the ER. Like I called my aunt just in time for her to like take me to the ER before I kind of just passed out and went into a coma. Wow. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry that had to happen. And I'm super glad you're alive. (laughs) Me too. Hey, I'm taking a quick break to tell you about my interview with Dr. Charity Campbell on the Leaders Lab podcast. We talked about tips for succeeding in business with type 1 diabetes and other chronic conditions, the emotional roller coaster of T1D, and how managing your mind can help you better manage your T1D and your business, whether you're an entrepreneur or an employee. Check the show notes for the link to my interview on the Leaders Lab. And now back to the episode. Mm-hmm. For type 1 diabetics who have not had to ration insulin and for non-diabetics who have like no context for what that's like, can you share more about the stress and the trauma around having to do that? It's really it's really weird because it's like I still have to get up and go to my job and I still have to figure out how to pay my bills and how to put food in my mouth and take care of my responsibilities while on top of like holding a big secret almost like I can't afford my insulin and I've tried finding ways to get insulin. And at the time there weren't like mutual aid groups. I think I barely was using Instagram at the time. So like finding another T1D was impossible. I didn't even think about like going to a hospital or going to the ER and being like, Hey, I don't have any insulin can somebody help me I just felt very alone and towards you know before I actually called my aunt and asked her to take me to the ER I was kind of just like 
I kind of like gave up, I guess you could say. So it's very, it's very taxing in a way that I don't think a lot of people understand. And that just speaks to the power of having that kind of community to reach out when you do reach a point like, I'm in trouble, I need help. Is there somebody near me who can give me like a vial for a week? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Can you describe how it felt in your body? Like the like the actual sensations of going into DKA? The smallest things just made me so exhausted, like just getting up and like walking from like my living room to my bathroom. I would, it felt like I ran like a marathon. At the time I lived on the third floor of an apartment building. So having to walk up to my apartment every day after work just was so exhausting. I was tired all the time. Like anytime I wasn't working, I was sleeping. The smallest amounts of food would fill me up because you're not really hungry, but you are. And then you don't have the insulin to bring it down. So yeah, it's a feeling I don't wish anybody could feel. Absolutely. Yeah, like totally. Nobody wants that. Right. Are, I'm hoping you're, you're like you're in a better place. You don't have to ration insulin anymore. No, I don't. <laughs> Thank, okay. Thank God. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think the government should know about type 1 diabetics who have to ration? I mean, everything that I just said, like, I really wish that politics wasn't so I feel like it's so inhumane. Like they don't see people for who they are and what they're you know, trying to do, they just see it as like another story to like add to why you should campaign for them and why you should vote for them. And, and for the ones who, who don't show any remorse, like they care more about like trying to prove a point they do about the actual people who voted for them to make change happen. What do you think people can do at the local level with insulin for all and type one international? On the local level, I would say, like, get more involved. There's people out there, like, boots on the ground who are trying to establish mutual aid so that people, like, can go somewhere. They don't have to message people and put up on, like, their stories, like, hey, this person needs insulin. We're trying to establish, like, not clinics so much, but, like, a source where you can be, like, oh, okay, like, this is a place that people meet on Sundays to like get help. There's fundraising that like T1D, T1 International, sorry, that they do to promote like the different legislature that's going on and voting is a definitely like a big thing too to get involved. So for people to find their local chapter, would they just have to go to Insulin for All website or how did they find that? Yeah, you can go to the Type 1 International website and they have like a map of the states where you can click on whatever state you live in and see what that chapter is doing. Um, You can also go like on their social media. They have Facebook. I think most states have Facebook and Instagram. So that's one way you can also check them out. I know I do follow the Montana Insulin for All on Instagram because that's where I live. (laughs) Nice. Nice. Yeah. So is there anything that you wanted to share that we haven't talked about yet? I don't think so. I think that's everything I wanted to say. (laughs) Okay. Do you have a book recommendation for our listeners? I don't have a book, but I do have somebody that like I follow on 
Instagram that he's always like reading books about T1D and, and the different methods and stuff. His name is Ali Akarim. And I think he's, I started following him like when I first found out about like, oh, you can follow people who also have type one <laughs> diabetes on Instagram. And so him following him and then seeing like that he's, I think he's like becoming a, a nutritionist for type one diabetics. So it's really nice to see other people who, who want to help other people like us who are us. Nice. Okay. We'll link to his profile in the show notes. so People can go follow him. Are you working on any projects right now that you can share with our listeners? Right now, all I'm doing is volunteering my time in person to help our local unhoused population. It's not like T1 specific or diabetic specific, but I work and volunteer with a group called Feed Phoenix just to kind of like help out in the way that I can. And the best way I think I can do that is by volunteering my time. That's awesome. Thanks. (laughs) Where can people find you online if they want to connect? My Instagram is just underscore underscore Aisha. I-E-S-H-A. All right. We will link to all of those in the show notes. Now it's your turn. What would you do if you had to ration insulin? Think about it now. So you're prepared for that circumstance if it ever happens to you. Remember, You control your diabetes. It doesn't control you. Are you ready to feel better with type 1 diabetes without changing how you manage it? You too can go from resenting the highs and the lows to never again feeling like it's dragging your emotions behind the worst roller coaster ever. It starts with a free call. Ready to live your life without worrying about what your CGM says? Head to inspiredforward.com slash coaching to get started.